Joining me now to discuss is Dave Sirota. David Sirota, you were the first person that popped into my brain when I heard Fourth Amendment. Does that have David Sirota worried? Boston Globe has now started picking up and running with a potentially politically deadly story that was first unearthed by the great David Sirota. God bless this guy, David Sirota. I love that guy. David Sirota is not a journalist. He's a hack. Even the New York Times has called you a populist rabble rouser. Okay. Are you a Che Guevara? Are you a Che Guevara for our age? Uh, and you look forward to a day when college students wear your face on their shirt and don't know what you did? So this was the week of the minimum wage debate. Uh, the big promise from the Democrats during the campaign, the big promise from the Democrats for actually for years has been getting into power and then passing a $15 minimum wage. So when the election happened, it seemed like this would be the minimal thing that would be delivered, a 50, a much promised $15 minimum wage, the Democrats winning the presidency, the House, the Senate, everything lined up to actually deliver on this promise. And it's not just any old promise, it's a central promise about wages, economic inequality, and it also happens to be wildly popular. Yeah. And, and just to just so your listeners know, when was the last minimum wage increase? I believe George Bush was president. Is right? that right? Is it all the way back well, to George it Bush? Passed. Now, it, it phased in. It took a while for it to phase in, but I'm pretty sure it was uh, pre-Obama. Okay. Okay. So, and uh, Obama talked about it a lot, but he never and, – and he said he was in favor of it, but he never, uh, he never got it done. It was not high on his – you know, agenda when he had uh, both houses of Congress, and then of course he lost them uh, pretty early on in his presidency. And but as you say, look, it's a it's a uh, massively popular measure. We know that because it's often uh, enacted as uh, you know uh, as a um, you know initiative in states or a referendum or what, whatever you call it, right? A ballot issue uh, in states, and it's it's across the board. This is a very popular thing to do. Um, now, uh, your sort of traditional, um, economic conservatives hate this. This is, this is the worst thing in the world that they, the, the, you know, the idea that workers can go out and because there's more of them than there are managers, they can vote themselves a raise. You know, this is a, this is an outrage. Um, and, uh, and they, they, they fight it with anything. It's one of these issues that really breaks down on class lines. And just to underscore your point about how popular this measure is, this measure, a $15 minimum wage, was, for instance, very recently passed by voters in the state of Florida. $15 passed uh, at as a voter referendum in Florida. So this is a, you know, this isn't a red state, blue state kind of thing. This is a wildly popular measure uh, across the country. And with Democrats controlling the government, it also being a wildly popular measure. Somehow the Democrats have creatively and innovatively, I mean, really, they really explored the studio space on this one. I mean, they really, really reached deep to be really innovative in finding a way to not do this. I mean, I, I have to say, I, I really I really am ast astounded by... By I mean, really, like some people say that the Democratic Party is not creative, is moribund, is you know just, just that's, what, that's what I say. Right, you 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 say that, but I'm here to tell you that that this week 
we saw some real innovation, some real creativity. I mean, they really, really, really found a creative way you mean to... the parliamentarian variation? We've never seen that before, or now, at least not, I've never seen it at, at, in all the time that I remember. I mean, where, I where, where Democrats spend their creativity, and these remember these are uh, highly intelligent people. You know, their cheering section, their their most loyal voters tend to be highly educated, tend to be white collar. Uh, you know, gone to fancy schools, et cetera, et cetera, and it's all in um, uh, rationalization. They are in in, in immensely inventive. In yes. terms of rationalization, I want, I'm just going to use one phrase here for you. And let's just see if I can make you seethe with anger. The Green Lantern theory of the president. Oh, God, I can't, I can't handle that. I can't. I, I can't. We, we actually wrote about that. Uh, we wrote about that th this week. And, and so just to set the stage here for how creative these people are in coming up with ways to not do things. And and really, I, I really mean this. I really think we need to step back and understand it as an actual skill. I mean, it, it really is a, a, a highly trained skill to come up with ever more elaborate ways to not actually do the things that you promise. And and that and are, that are enormously popular. That are, <laughs> yes. I mean it really it really does like we're talking like Steve Jobs level creativity here, right? Like brilliant mind creativity in coming up with ways to not do the enormously popular things that, that you, you promised promise voters, you do. right? Yeah, and, yeah. That, and that your future depends upon. We'll, <laughs> yes, but we'll, we'll we'll get to that. Later. So I'll just set, set up the set the stage here. Okay, they promised it. We come into this week, last two weeks or so, everything's lined up. They've got a must-pass bill, and everyone needs to understand this: the COVID relief bill is an absolutely desperately needed must-pass bill. And I want to just start off by saying that. There's not really a question of whether this bill will ultimately pass. And everybody needs to hold that in your mind, okay? This bill will pass. Joe Biden has staked his presidency on it. Uh, the Democratic Party will pass a version of this bill. And that is an important thing to hold in your mind for this reason. The reason you want to put something like the minimum wage in a must-pass bill is because it is must pass, meaning it is not going to go down. The Republicans don't have enough votes to take this bill down. And so you want to put popular well, I'm, things I'm, in it. Think several of them will probably vote for it, won't they? No, I, I actually don't think any of them will vote not for it. Mitt Romney? No, I don't, I, I, really, I, I don't think so. But, but that's also another important point. And, and, and we're going to get to some strategy here in a second. But this is an enormously popular must pass bill that there are probably no Republican votes available for. And so this is a maximum political opportunity for the Democratic Party to pass wildly popular policies in a way that they will get all of the credit. So all of that is context for coming into this week. They come into this week, the House passes the popular bill with the minimum wage, very popular policy on it, moves to the Senate. Bernie Sanders makes an argument to something called a Senate parliamentarian. And, and here we're going to stop here for a second. Another important point. The parliamentarian is a an advisor to the Senate majority leader. It is, a, it is an advisor. It, it offers opinions 
It's not binding, you mean? What Absolutely it, not binding. It's like it's like a, yeah. a it's like an aide coming to the, a senator saying, "My opinion is this is uh, th- this amendment or this measure falls within the current rules of the Senate, or it doesn't." But it is an advisory opinion, and the power to decide rule questions is left with the presiding chair of the Senate, who is. Uh, the vice president of the United States. And the reason the power is vested in the vice president ultimately is because on important questions of rules and which what gets in and what gets out, ultimately, we still live in a republic. We still live in a democracy. Those questions, the rules vest that power with the elected official. So again, House passes it, moves to the Senate. Senate parliamentarian offers her advice that, that the minimum wage does not follow the so-called bird rules, which is a rule for folks who don't know. It is It was a rule designed to not have um, non-budgetary matters in budget bills. Now, the minimum wage is a budget matter. The Congressional Budget Office said- Ironically, it's, he's a guy from West Virginia. Yes. Yes, that's right. Robert Byrd. But the Congressional Budget Office said, uh, this is very much a budgetary matter because yeah. it, it costs $50 billion for various reasons. It would cost an outlay of roughly $50 billion. Uh, the Senate parliamentarian said, it's my opinion, this doesn't fit within the Byrd rule. So the vice president had a, um, a chance to say, you know what? I'm the vice president. I have I've looked lo- it over and I've decided, yes, it does. It does fit. So exactly. <laughs> and, and, I've long, and I've long supported the $15 minimum wage. And you know what? If some bureaucrat in Washington tells me we can't pass $15 minimum wage that I've talked about for years, but Kamala Harris, uh, then I'm going to... I'm going to make a ruling that it is in order. Now, what happens in that situation is, yes, the Senate could overrule her ruling, but they would need 60 votes to do that. So point is, the whole thing is teed up for a dramatic, we're not going to be constrained by bureaucrats. We've passed it through the House. It's wildly popular. It's one of our promises. And amazingly, I mean, to talk about creativity. They pull out the Democrats. It gets torpedoed by the parliamentarian. Yes, but it, but it doesn't really. They're just blaming it on the parliamentarian. By the way, that's the like innovation. That person, that's how would the, you like to be that person. I I know, but that's the innovation. That's I mean, it takes real creativity to say, you know what, guy, what we're going to do is we're not going to pass this thing, and we're going to actually go out in public and blame one of our advisors. I mean, this is well, the I'm equivalent. Surprised they didn't they didn't talk about norms and how they're not like Donald Trump, and we follow the rules and et cetera. And this is just what the rules are. You know, the rules constrain us to to do this and and not that. And so there was some of that. There was some of that messaging, like you know, we res- there was. I think the White House said some version of we respect the process, <laughs> yeah. right? Like yeah. like like. I, I mean, it really ta- – like I w- when they first floated this, right, the parliamentarians, the problem. I, honestly, when they first floated this, I was like, look, you know, the Republicans literally fired a parliamentarian in 2001 because they didn't agree with the – they didn't like the rulings they were getting, the opinions they were getting from the parliamentarian. I, and I don't want to use the word ruling. and It's an opinion. They didn't like the opinions of, of their parliamentarian. They said, give me, give me another parliamentarian. So when, I, when the Democrats first rolled out this – Excuse? I was like, "Come on, they're, 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 this isn't gonna. This can't. This is. This has got to be a joke. Like, this is not gonna fly." And they yeah. kept doubling down. But it. What fascinates me about this whole spectacle is how it. Uh, we see the two parties. I mean, that anecdote that you just told about the Republicans firing their parliamentarian when they when they gave some advice that the Republicans didn't fancy. 
how these two parties operate. It's like they they have more or less permanent or in our lifetimes anyway, permanent personalities that can't be changed, you know, even in the most dire circumstances, which we're in right now. And and the, and that's what the, the Democrats is this kind of uh you know, rule obeying fecklessness and endless excuses for not doing the right thing. And this this loyal sort of cheering section among the media that will always, you know, always see it their way uh, and, 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 and devise, you know, these endless sort of uh, rationalizations for their failures. And then with the Republicans, when they're, you know, these are guys who will, will take the slimmest of majorities and and you know i don't know overturn the welfare state or whatever it is you know they 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 have consistently since i've been following politics have been able to you know the republicans are, are absolutely and utterly ruthless and they you know they have an agenda that serves a very small number of people uh and they uh, when they do have majorities the majorities are always very 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 slight and they i mean they rule like they're franklin roosevelt or something they rule like they've just got the biggest mandate in history you know we're going to go ahead and put this stuff on the books well and the amazing it, thing it's, is it's extraordinary they're they're utterly shameless they're afraid of nothing and they or they'll stop at nothing and uh, and they've done it. And then and then you have the Democrats who are like, oh, you know, that parliamentarian gave us an adverse <laughs> thing. The, the parliament. I mean, by the way, somebody I saw somebody somebody tweeted out how the firing of the parliamentarian was treated in tw- in 2001. I don't, I don't even remember. Hearing no, about no, 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 no. It was like, like like it was like some like one paragraph thing in the New York Times sort of in the bottom of their like review of the week of what happened. Like it was nothing. It wasn't and the so 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 the amazing thing is is that the Republicans essentially fu- fired it one the, It was the age of Tom Delay though. You, you talk about Republican ruthlessness. Those guys they got the most in- extraordinary stuff done in the Bush years uh, with, you know, with just a, a, a tiny little majority. Um, they, they are they, – they, back in those days, they would never cease to amaze me, you know, the stuff that they would do. And then, of course, they're also geniuses at obstruction when it's, when it's time for that. But, uh, but right now the Democrats are holding all the cards, and they still couldn't get this done. And, and it, what does it tell you about Biden also? Because Biden is supposed to be this, um, you know, he spent his life in the Senate. He's supposed to understand how it works. Well, so to- so that's an that's an important question, and we wrote a little bit about this this week because Joe Biden camp the the unique selling proposition to use an advertising term uh, yeah. of Joe Biden. USP. Yes, the unique <laughs> selling proposition on the campaign. Okay, you may not like Joe Biden's policies and. You know, Joe Biden's not the greatest speaker and he's not like super charismatic, but this was the unique selling proposition. Joe Biden is a master of the Senate who knows how to get things done, right? That was the thing. Like Joe Biden is a steady hand who knows how to get things done. So this is like a perfect play. Like Joe Biden campaigned on a $15 minimum wage. Because because it. When you when you when you describe him that way, he sounds like Lyndon Johnson. Yes, that that, that's the whole point. So so we went so so wait, your viewer, your listeners probably don't know. Lyndon Johnson was able to get almost anything he wanted through the Senate. Admittedly, he had a Democratic majority, but uh, you know there was a lot of divisions among Democrats back in those days. uh, Well, our reader, our, our listeners, and our readers should know that if they read this week, because Joe Biden refused to lift a finger. 
to yeah. advance the minimum wage, as we and discussed. Wait, just, so, just so people know, David, this is really important. And you've been there and I haven't. You used to work for a U.S. senator. I never have. All I know is from what I read in the history books, there are ways to get people to vote for things that they that they don't particularly like. Am I right? Well, well, Tom, that's that's so interesting that you, br- you bring I mean, that up. Has that ever happened before? It's so good that you bring that up because our story this week was we did a report this week about how, you know, Joe Biden not lifting a finger to help move forward the minimum wage. Uh, uh, and, and by the way, we will get to the final vote here, which happened uh, today, uh, which which there is a signal, a very clear signal that Joe Biden did absolutely nothing, refuse, refusing to support advancing the, the uh, through the parliamentarian, refusing to do anything. Uh, I will get to that in a second. But we look back on history. This whole, because you see it on social media. Oh, what do you expect Joe Biden to do? I mean, you know, Joe Manchin. What, what do you think? Did Biden calling Manchin or Cinema would get her, get him or her to do to do anything? So we look back on history, and there was a story that that is very important for this. Back in 1964, uh, Lyndon Johnson had a real problem on Medicare. Two senators, uh, one from Florida, I think his name was Smathers. The other, uh, uh, Long from Louisiana were ardent opponents of Medicare, and they came into a committee, the key committee vote, and surprised everybody at a key moment and voted essentially to advance Medicare. And when Smathers was asked, why did you vote for this? You were an opponent of Medicare. He said, because Lyndon asked me to. And it came out later that, you know, there was essentially some horse trading with, you know, he wanted a project down here. And and the point of the story is, this is the key point. Anybody who tells you that Joe Biden, the most powerful man in the world, with the entire executive branch of the, uh, of the United States government behind him, anyone who tells you that that person has no power to influence or shift votes of lawmakers in his own party, Right, lawmakers who want things back in their district, want things back in their state. Anyone who tells you that is a complete idiot, a complete moron, or is just cynically lying and pretending that this history doesn't exist. Like this is the most. How can we have uh, like there's there's I, I, I there's hundreds of examples of what you yes. just described. It, it yes. used to happen all the time. In fact, it's it still does when it's things that the president doesn't ca- when the president actually cares about. Of we'll course, come to that in a minute here, but just. For, just for a second here, let's remember how when back in the Obama years, when you and I were doing the same kind of commentary that we're doing now, when we would criticize Obama for doing nothing in the last his last couple of years in the White House, he really did very, very goddamn little, yep. uh, especially with with Congress. But when we would criticize him for doing very, very little, there was a whole um uh, sort of a, a group in the in the punditry that said, you know, that's that's wrong. He's trying his best. There's nothing the president can do. I remember an article in the New York, you know, by a column in the New York Times where the uh, the author argued that, hey, look, the presidency is just, it's not a very powerful office. <laughs> it's it, the stuff that people will believe to get their to get their heroes off the hook is just is extraordinary to me. And after a while, you're like, well, why is the guy a hero in the first place? If, you know, if they can't they can't do anything, you know, and um, I thought about this a lot in the Obama years, 
as you as you did too, right? Uh, as as we watched this man that we regarded as as you know uh, at least at the start of his presidency as a really promising guy, you know, I thought he was going to be a great president, and as we watched him flail and and you know just sort of do nothing the last couple of years of his presidency, uh, and it was it was extraordinary to me although the. You know the rationalizations of this, and also of the of the, the question of why he why he didn't you know do the things that, that were obviously within his power to do. Uh, and admittedly, he didn't have Congress in, but there were still all sorts of things he could have done. Uh, why don't they do it? And that's ultimately that's that's the question at the end of the day. Biden certainly has uh, he knows how it's done. Uh, he was in the Senate long enough to have it done to him. And you you mentioned the term. He also probably knows what a popular thing the I mean, he gave that great little talk the other day about about uh, about unions. You know, he knows how important the minimum wage is. He knows that the minimum working for the minimum wage absolutely sucks now. It's like you can't feed a family on. Come on, on a minimum wage job. And by the way, I'm from Kansas. There's lots of I mean, that is the minimum wage in Kansas, you know. Well, and 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 the thing I'm not wrong about that, but and the thing okay. is, the thing is is that is that the rationalization you mentioned the Green Lantern theory, and what's so for folks who don't know what that is, that was a essentially a meme that came that was created to uh, in the Obama sco- years. in the Obama years to scoff at to mock the idea that the president could arm twist. Uh, horse trade, uh, influence votes in his own party. In other words, an entire architecture of rationalization was built to to the uh, to create the idea that the president, a democratic president, has no power to do anything. Now, the most amazing yeah. part of this is yeah, yeah. is and, that and Donald the Trump, people who, the people who came came up with that, th- these are these are the beloved you know, media figures of our time. These are the people that that who, they ascend as as as. You know, as you fall off the cliff. Yes. <laughs> you know, these are the winners, and, and the, the ones who rationalized uh, Obama's, you know, refusal to do anything. And the and the the amazing thing to me about all this, not amazing anymore, but Donald Trump, this the the liberal political elite, the same liberal political elite that bills Donald Trump as an all powerful dictator, immediately, instantly, pivots. To say that somebody like Joe Biden in the same office has absolutely no power to move senators or to influence senators in his own party. And here's the smoking gun of it all to know that ultimately the vote to kill the minimum wage today, to know that how much culpability Joe Biden really has in this is this. There were eight Senate Democrats who decided to vote against the procedural motion, and and it's important to know this, a procedural motion just to move forward the minimum wage, not even to raise the minimum wage, just to allow it to be voted on, right? That's a key point. Bernie Sanders went to the floor, offered an amendment, and there was a, a rule point of order, a process motion made against it. And so the vote that was cast wasn't even on, do you support the minimum wage? It was, will you allow there to be a vote on the minimum wage? Eight Senate Democrats bailed out. Now, here's the key smoking gun to know that 
Joe Biden is very responsible for that vote failing. And the key is that among the eight were two were the the two Senate Democrats from Delaware from Delaware including one of the Chris Coons who replaced Joe Biden in the Senate. So if anybody is trying to argue that Joe Biden like, look he can't move Joe man he can't you know he's trying he maybe if he 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 didn't even try to move senators from his own deep blue state. That is yeah. the proof or that- it, it, maybe he did try but he didn't try very hard or, or well he didn't succeed i'm sure has anybody asked them did did what did you know did biden try to uh you know well he here's the thing did he try well i mean he, i mean there was one report that he didn't pick up the phone at all uh to call joe manchin at all i i've 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 started calling him president I don't Manchin. Get this one we got to talk about this guy Manchin because i don't get it it's not i mean like this would be $15 minimum wage in West Virginia, that would be like, you know how popular that would be? Yes. Yes. It, it would be enormously. It would make him a saint. Uh, how can he be against it? Well, and the and and the the news to I mean I mean look, Joe Manchin has been hacking away at this bill for weeks now. And this get look, this gets to a larger point, okay? The minimum wage went down today. Eight Senate Democrats helped the Republicans not even allow for a an actual straight up vote on the minimum wage. There's two ways to look at this. I mean, I, I'm the optimist in me says this: uh, 42 Senate Democrats cast a vote ostensibly in support of of raising the minimum wage, even though the White House signaled it was actually against this process. So 42 Senate de- like 42 Senate Democrats essentially defied the White House in support of the minimum wage. I can tell that, that like that is there, there is something encouraging there. The the discouraging story is that the new president didn't lift a finger to advance a priority that he campaigned on and that he promised. And okay. and and this gets to a larger question, okay? Cuz you just mentioned Joe Manchin and this is such an important point. We are now living under the Manchin presidency, that President <laughs> Manchin now runs basically the government. Joe Biden may live in the White House, but 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 President Manchin is running the show, and and this is this is the key. And some people didn't like that I wrote this this week. And Tom, I want to hear your thoughts on it. But basically, what what we what I wrote was that the only way to change that dynamic, if you really think through, well, how does Joe Manchin have so much power? Right, because because the rationale for not pushing forward the minimum wage that you heard from from the Biden folks was well, you know, even if it gets to a floor vote, Joe Manchin might vote against it. He might take down the whole uh, COVID relief bill for, because of it. Uh, the only way to change the dynamic, I'm sorry, there is no other way to change the dynamic that other than if you have a kind of anti-Manchin in this in this way that. There needs to be a block of progressive votes in the Congress that is willing to make crystal clear demands and follow them up, if those demands are not made, with voting against Democratic legislation. And here's the key. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Here's the key. Voting against Democratic legislation that the White House cannot go get Republican votes for. That is where you get the maximum leverage. I used to work in the House. This is where leverage is gained. If you had a block of House members right now 
who said, listen, we're not voting for a COVID relief bill unless it has a minimum wage increase in it. And Biden knows he there are no Republican votes available to help him pass that must-pass bill. It's a must-pass bill. All of a sudden, the entire dynamic would change. You would have Manchin threatening potentially to vote down the bill in the Senate if it includes a $15 minimum wage. But you would now also have a block of progressives in the House saying, we're going to vote this down if it doesn't include a $15 minimum wage. And you could, in theory, find a compromise in there. A compromise, maybe it's not $15, which would which is, is inadequate for me, but there's something to be done there. But the, but the point is, if there's no countervailing force, if, if there's no block of votes that says we will vote something down, and you you can't make it. You can't pull the old. I'm going to make it worse and go get Republican votes because that's not available on this bill. If there's no countervailing force willing to to do that, or even willing to threaten to do that, then we are going to be living f- essentially permanently yeah, until Mitch McConnell takes takes power. We're going to be le- living at, under President Manchin. And one last thing I just want to say about this. Because, oh, you know, if the Democrat, if the Democrats in the House threatened to take down the COVID relief bill, if it didn't have a minimum wage, they would be killing the entire bill. And that would be denying unemployment benefits, you know, and all these good things, all these other good things in the bill. And that's false because the Democrats could just simply bring up a new bill. Like, that's exactly what would happen. The bill would go down. They would have to revise it. And a new bill would be brought up very quickly. We saw that happen, by the way, during the, uh, the, the, the TARP bill, the bank bailout. Remember they brought, the Bush administration bought, brought a TARP bill to the floor. It got rejected. Guess oh, what? Yeah. It immediately yeah. got brought back up. So my point is, I'm not saying it's enjoyable. I'm not saying it's, it's particularly, uh, I, I, I'm celebrating this dynamic, but I genuinely think if there is not a block of votes in Congress willing to say we are going to vote against Democratic legislation, not all Democratic legislation, but in in certain high-profile situations, if there is a piece of must-pass Democratic legislation where there are no Republican votes available for it, that, that Biden can't just like water it down and then grab a few Republicans to pass it anyway. In those situations, if there's not a block of votes willing to to make real demands and follow them up, then then Joe Manchin is just going to run the show forever. Yeah, because he's willing to do it. Exactly. So, but So this is two, two important things about this. First of all, this is a strategy that would you would only have to use uh, in the eventuality that that the president turns out to be a, a complete weakling, or or, or not just not just a weakling, lobby for his own won't lobby for his own his own legislation for Correct. the stuff that he himself has said is super important that everybody can see is super important. Correct, and he won't he won't do anything about it, and it leaves these people with no with no other recourse. Correct. And then I want to I want to point something else out to you. The uh, uh, the the media would react very differently to that than they do to Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin they regard as a quote unquote centrist. Yeah. Uh, therefore, he's in the center. Therefore, he gets to be the balancing guy in between the two sides. Uh, th- th- they would not forgive it if, say, if say a Bernie Sanders or something like that were to were to to pull the strategy that you just that you just described, uh, which might work. But they they would uh, in the way our commentator class, our sort of uh, pundit bureau regards politics, the people in the middle are inherently righteous. They're clothed in a kind of righteousness that the that the that the people on the other the, the various ends of the spectrum are not. 
Uh, and so, you know, uh, for someone on the left end of the spectrum to be intransigent about something is just utterly unacceptable to them. And they would have, you know, but look, that strategy might work. I've, you're the one that actually worked with these guys. <laughs> I mean, I, never, what I, know, what I, I can know. tell you is, what I can say is this. I, I genuinely believe this. I, I'm going to lay out a scenario here, which, which I want to be clear. This would not be satisfactory to me, but let me just lay out a scenario. Joe Biden, excuse me, Joe Manchin says, I may vote down a final bill if it includes a $15 minimum wage, even though I represent one of the poorest states in the country where this would help so many, so many, so many people. Fine. Joe Manchin says that. A group of House Democrats says, in a very narrowly divided House, we're going to vote down a bill if it doesn't include a $15 minimum wage. Okay. Joe Biden knows that this bill is a must-pass bill. He staked his whole presidency on it, okay? What is Joe Biden all of a sudden lazy, uh, ineffectual, distant, oh, not in get off the sidelines? Exactly. Okay. All of a sudden, Joe Biden then is like, and oh Kamala my, Harris. and Kamala and Harris. Have to come out there and, yep, yes, yep, let's, yep, then, then all of a sudden. That's very clever then. Then that's all of a sudden clever. it's like, uh, you know, the whole, oh, we're not going to use the, part. we're going to, oh, we're not going to overrule the parliamentary. Then it's like, wait a minute, I, I got to get this bill done. <laughs> I got to get this thing <laughs> yeah. done now. And by the way, yeah. what would not be satisfactory to me is that in theory, there's a middle ground between $15 and nothing, right? Oh, I don't, got, maybe there's that's, that's what's so utterly shameful is that they didn't just come up with a compromise. They they nixed it all together. That's what I'm saying. It's like they, they, didn't, they didn't get off the dime. Yes. So they, like here, they, my they, scenario they, is. Go to the big to the bigger question here, which is what the hell? Why? Who well, are I, these people? Like what kind of Democrat would, would this do is, this? Okay. So I have theories on this because because what I was saying this week was this get now we have a situation if that actually happened where you had a block of democrats in the house threatening that now you have a situation where everybody can win right here's the here's here's the everybody wins i mean i i would be dissatisfied with a 12 or 13 dollar minimum wage maybe you say that that's not a win but but here's a at least from a joe biden perspective an everybody wins right mansion no 15 dollars house democrats were not voting for it unless it has 15 dollars biden swoops in and says I'm going to come up with the compromise, $13. Manchin, you get to run back to your corporate donors and say, hey, listen, see, I, 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 I prevented it from going to 15 The progressives get to say, hey, look, we didn't get 15 but we started the process of raising the minimum wage. Joe Biden gets to look like I brought everyone together. I'm the, I'm the master of the Senate. Like, I, you know, I would be dissatisfied. You'd hear me. I'd be saying, like, why isn't it 15? Fine. But, like, the point is, is that for Joe Biden, that's a win-win situation. Oh, yeah. And, and so yeah. why did they not do that? That's a really important question. And, and, and the answer. But, it, but everything points at the, at the rot of the Democratic Party. And I, I want to go a little bit. Uh, okay. You, you were about to say what the answer is. Well, I mean, the answer is, is one, you, you, Joe Manchin is willing to wield power. Uh, because he doesn't care about bringing down right, the entire bill. None of these people. Yeah, right. he, he doesn't care. He does not care. The, prog the progressives in the House have a harm reduction view, which is moral, and I, I, I empathize with it, that they don't want to take down all the other good stuff. And then you know they're afraid that if they take this stand, they'll kill the entire bill, which I frankly don't believe would happen. They, they would have to – this is a – they, they have to pass this bill. I don't think there's a, a scenario where – a, a version of this bill doesn't pass, but they're, the point is they're not yet willing to wield power. So there's an asymmetry here. 
Manchin, for, for bad reasons, willing to wield power. Progressives in the Congress, not willing to wield power. And obviously, the central problem is, is that the president of the United States is not yeah. willing to wield power. Or you could argue that in well, not wielding Syria, what do you mean? Yes. Yeah, so, so, okay. Okay. So, so, so then, so then the, then the answer is, it's not that he's not willing to wield power. It's that in choosing to not be engaged, in choosing to behave the way he behaved, that was an expression of power. Yes. It was an expression it, it, of power no, that allowed no it to die. About it. Yes. This is this is the this was the sort of you remember listen liberal. This was the sort of after I, I went through all the rationalizations for Obama's presidency. And I went through all the writing about Bill Clinton's presidency, the two big democratic presidencies of recent years. And ultimately, you know, you have to just say Obama did what he did because that's what he wanted to do. You know, all of these compromises that didn't pan out, you know, everything that he got done was a compromise uh, or it was, you know, it was watered down. It was a half measure. Uh, and ultimately, uh, he did those things because that's what he wanted to do. There is no other answer. I it completely keeps, agree. The facts keep pushing you to this conclusion. Completely and, agree. And, and, and everything that you've said for the last 40 minutes has, has done the same thing with me about Biden, which is really depressing. And here's why. Okay, so I assume that the rest of the COVID relief bill gets through, and it's a huge shot in the arm to the economy. Hey, hey there's a good metaphor for, <laughs> for this period, right? It's, it's, so it's a, it's, it's a huge stimulus, and the economy takes off, and we love Joe Biden forever, and he gets reelected, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't know about that. I don't know if it's going to be that wonderful. I don't know how well designed it is, but I do know one thing. The minimum wage part of it, this hits right at the Republicans' vulnerable spot, okay? Yes. which is they've been out there winning over these white working class voters. Remember, this is something that you and I have been talking about for a very long time, Mr. Sirota. Yes. They've been winning over these white working class voters with their stupid culture war appeals. Um, you know, and and all the other things that they that they do to win these people over this sort of Trumpism. Right. Uh, but here's Biden actually saying, no, the Democrats are where you belong and I'm going to prove it. I'm going to deliver something real. I'm going to put money in your pocket and you are finally you're going to work, you know, the same job you've been working. But look at this. You're going to get paid a whole lot more. Uh, and, you know, suddenly wages are going to be back, you know, blah, 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 blah. And uh that's you know that's like like that's not only central to who the Democratic Party is, that's central to stopping Trumpism, and I've said all along there you know, yes, COVID is emergency number one, but emergency number two is making sure that tr that Trumpism never comes back, and oh my God, did they just screw that one up? Well, and 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 I I I really believe this. People are going to call me crazy, but I I absolutely believe this that you're going to potentially see a situation where Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, the Trump guy, governor of Florida, that he will campaign for president, uh, touting the $15 minimum wage in Florida, by the way, that he God. that he opposed, that he opposed. But I don't put it past him, somebody like him to to and the Republicans to campaign on some form of minimum wage increase and and berating the Democrats for Pulling the garbage that they pulled uh, this week, but again, I want to. I want to. Yeah, you know, that's because you just say that because the Republicans are utterly cynical and they will. Hundred percent. They will say anything. Right. No. No. I'm, I'm making just a political. I don't believe they believe that. I'm. I'm saying like just how cynical, <laughs> yeah. how cynical they are, and opportunistic they are. And so to to just finalize 
this conversation this week because I'm look I'm I'm fairly bummed out about this I'm I'm not going to lie I mean this is really I am really oh is it wait a minute this is we we left this out the minimum wage is adjusted for inflation now the worst that it has ever been yes it's unbelievably depressing and and, and you and, want you want to talk about why you know inequality in this country which is you know it's like it's almost obscene to even. Democrats don't even like to talk about it anymore, it, but it's, you know, it's, it's so hard to get your brain around how bad it is and that it wasn't always like this. Well, the minimum wage, this is an issue that strikes right at that thing, right at inequality. It, it is a straight shot between the eyes towards inequality. Now, I'm just going to say the, the Biden folks say they're going to, they're going to keep fighting for, for, for the minimum wage. And they he, just had, they had it in their hands. They, I mean, and, and this, the, it. It this does, yes, this needs to be underscored that this was the best chance to do it because, you know, oh, we might, uh, uh, to go back to my point about Republican votes, oh, we're going to put it into the National Defense Authorization Act. The problem with that strategy is yeah, the, the Republicans... going to like that? No, 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 but not, actually that would be fine. The Republicans will do a vote to strip. If it gets stripped out, all of a sudden there'll be 90 votes for the bill. In other words, the progressives don't have any leverage they, 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 because because Biden can just can go get Republican votes for that without a minimum wage. That's my point. You can't change the dynamic unless there's a block of votes, progressive votes in the Congress willing to actually make demands and follow them up. That's the only way they can get to the negotiating table. We, we still haven't answered the, the, the question that is hanging over our heads here and that why? Who are these guys? Well, my okay. My answer is issue that's so absolutely central to who the party says it is, not just in terms of of, of inequality, but in terms of racial justice. That's and and in terms of stopping Trumpism. This is absolutely the silver bullet, right? So here's you my answer, Trump, and they didn't do it. Why? Okay, my answer is part of it is just straight up corruption. There's some 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 portion of the money guys don't want. The minimum wage to be increased, although it's worth adding. Yeah, the Wall that, Street faction. Yeah, but yeah, but but I will say th this: the minimum wage increase doesn't really have that strong an organized opposition. It really doesn't. Like a lot of the big, most big employers aren't, you know, lobbying hard against it. Like th this, th I mean, that that's just a, a truth. I mean, I talked to people on the Hill all week, and there's just not a strong organized opposition. So, so. So, but but part of it is wanting to look business friendly, wanting to you know constantly suck up to uh, the the corporate lobby. But I also but I think there's actually something deeper here, and, and it is at least from the White House, it is a fear of conflict that that the idea of and we we have that picture in our. Lyndon Johnson piece this week at the Daily Poster, the picture of Johnson, you know, kind of leaning over that guy, that famous <laughs> picture yeah, where he's yeah. like, you know, really in the guy's face. That I, I believe that Democratic politicians actually, for the most part, certainly Joe Biden, simply does not believe in wielding power. And and the the overarching goal is to avoid conflict, is to yeah. have unity, avoid conflict. The, the public supposedly really wants, you know, uh, 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 etiquette and 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 politeness and everyone yeah. to get along. And it's a bunch norms. of crap. Norms, it's a bunch Mr. of no Sirota. 
it's they, just a bunch of crap. They want you to respect the parliamentarian, goddamn it. They want you to do it by uh, Roger's what's what's what is Robert's rules, rules of order Robert's or whatever. Rules exactly. Of order. Like it, so. If I mean, it wasn't done like that. Then it wasn't for real, man. I know that that sounds ridiculous as a theory, but like if you're Joe Biden and you've been in Washington for four thousand years. Okay, and you're all these senators who've, you know, you everyone's nice to you in Washington. You know, everyone's getting along. Oh, my friend and the distinguished gentleman and the that yeah. that all all of a sudden what 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 becomes the priority in a bubble like that is I don't want to fight with anybody. I don't want to fight for anything. I don't really want to make waves. And I think like so you mix that with. It's just straight up corruption, you know, just straight up, you know, wanting to suck up to the donor class. And you get a situation in which a wildly popular program that you promised, the Democrats, they promised, they have it all teed up, it's all ready to go. And then that culture, the culture of corruption mixed with the culture of, you know, everybody just wants to get along, it births an amazing form of creativity and innovation that gives us unbelievably inventive rationales to do nothing. This week's inventive rationale, the parliamentarian. That's your, that's, that's your why. That's my, my grand, is, uh, my, my grand unifying theory. My why is, 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 is uh, slightly different, but very similar. And that is they just don't believe in it. You think about who, who these Democrats are. And I'm, I, I'll leave Biden out here because, uh, 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 you know, I kind of like Joe Biden, but the Democratic Party nowadays is is uh, overwhelmingly, you know, their their main sort of constituent group is these affluent white collar suburbanites, which you and I have talked about before many, many times. These are people that believe to their core in meritocracy uh, that you, you know, you get what you deserve in life and what you deserve is is determined by how you did in school where you went to school, what kind of grades you got. And, you know, they, these are successful people and they look out at the world around them and they have very little sympathy for people at the, uh, uh, we're talking about here by definition, people at the very bottom rung. You know, if you're working for minimum wage, that's what it is, the very bottom rung. And that the, the idea that they can just change that by legislative fiat and make, give these people a a decent standard of living is is not just uh, uh, you know like questionable they think on the science right on the economics of it which they all believe because DC right but it's also immoral they just don't believe in it I I I, 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 I no I think you're I I can't disagree with that I mean I I think for some of them they don't believe in it for others they they sort of say they believe in it and maybe part of their brain kind of believes in it like sort of conceptually but they don't feel any need to fight for it and they certainly don't feel any need or desire to to risk anything for it right like like you're like you know stereotypical congressperson from an affluent suburb democratic congressperson from an affluent suburb right oh you know like conceptually yeah you know the minimum wage should be increased wait a minute you're asking me to risk anything for that like you're asking me to like like actually go out there and like like fight for that? No, it's not. It's not like that. They, they yeah, they might know it, like uh, intellectually that it's a good thing, right? They might have talked to an economist, and the economics community by and large has changed their tune on this. Uh, and uh, they, they they might have you know talked to an economist and said you know this is a good idea and it'll you know whatever. Uh, and so they might know it, you know, <laughs> the way you know 
you but know, they're not willing to uh, walk in to fire for it or something like that. Exactly. The, and that, exactly. because they don't, there's no, there's, you know, it doesn't affect them. It yes. And the whole, and, they care about. And so in closing, as we close out this conversation, Wait, I have one anecdote. Yes, go I ahead. Tell you. Go ahead. I've met Joe Manchin. Have you ever met him? No, never met him. Here's the punchline. I met him when I was in West Virginia at a Labor Day celebration in this town right near where there was a famous mine disaster. And the unions aren't as strong in West Virginia now as they used to be, but they can still put on one hell of a good Labor Day party. And Joe Manchin showed up at it. <laughs> uh, anyhow, I'm was, not I'm not surprised. I mean, I'm really but not there was, surprised. It's not like they loved him. No, uh, <laughs> no, no. I, 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 that, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, I think ultimately, like it was a, it was, it was clearly a a fraught relationship. Ultimately, a progressive block of votes in the Congress will is either going to change this dynamic by playing hardball, or this is going to be what it's going to be. And the thing is, a four years of President Manchin will help create the conditions for a rise of another Trump. Four years of this kind of crap and Joe Biden in the White House, but allowing effectively President Manchin to be president, it it, it will create the, the, the Tea Party conditions, as we remember them, that created Trump. It, it will threaten to create similar conditions. Um, and that, that's my... So, so that's even, even if you... even the, the point is, even if folks... Think the 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 corporatism and the conservatism of Joe Manchin. Even even if you ideologically are like cool with that, like politically, just the the electoral politics of promising a fifteen dollar minimum wage and then screaming about my parliamentarian as your excuse for not doing it. Even if you think that that's like legit or whatever, like that's terrible politics and that is horrible for the 2022 election and 2024 election. And that's my, you know. Yeah, what do you think Trump is going to say in the next few days? I would have got it done. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> you know what? We're in a situation now where depending on how this bill turns out, we haven't even talked about the $2,000 checks, aka the $1,400 checks, uh, and the effort to limit the eligibility to them. We're in a situation where Donald Trump may have ended up giving more money to more people during the uh, crisis than the Democrats will because of the Democrats, as we've previously talked about, their obsession with, with means testing. So I got to I gotta run. I got I to gotta leave it there. Um, I got to go uh, uh, take care of the kids. Uh, and Me I, I, I got to cook dinner. Okay. Well, listen, dinner. man, I, 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 thank you for doing this. As always, uh, I'm, we will reconvene uh, in another week or so, and hopefully things will be slightly better. Although, frankly, I'm I not. Hope so. I'm, I hope so too, man. But I, I'm. I, no, I, I want Biden to do something right. You know, I. I, I, I agree. The, this this country is like depending on him, and and not just in the usual way that you want a president to succeed. We're in dangerous times. And, yes. Uh, he is. You know, he is walking a fine line. He well, might not know it, but I want to be clear. If if Kamala Harris had ignored the parliamentarian, I would have been out there being like, Kamala Harris is a great hero. She's like, she's great. She's all, uh, amazing. Terrific. If Joe Biden would have forged some kind of compromise that at least raised the minimum wage at some level, you know, maybe I wouldn't have been happy if it was 15 bucks. I would have been like, look, he tried. He, he made an effort. Fine. But like not even, ma- like just not even making an effort at all. Like, I'm sorry. That's just like completely unacceptable. Okay. I've, I've said my piece. Tom, I love you. We'll talk next. We'll talk <laughs> next Sirota, week. We'll talk later. Okay. Bye.